Alums, students, church folks, neighbors, and friends. Welcome to the Because We're Lutheran podcast from Pacific Lutheran University. You don't have to be a Lutheran to listen, but we do hope that by the end of these conversations, you'll think there's something pretty interesting, perhaps even compelling, about Lutheranism and the tradition of Lutheran higher education. I'm University Pastor Jen Rood, and I'll be your host. Welcome. So today we're going to be talking about faith formation at a Lutheran university. What does that look like? How does it happen? And what if you're not Lutheran or you don't even know what a Lutheran is? The PLU student body is about 15% Lutheran, which means we have a diversity of faith traditions and perspectives on campus. So today we're diving into these questions with two individuals who are not from the Lutheran tradition. Senior Matthew Salzano and recent graduate Ala Alshabani. Welcome. Thank you. Matthew Hello. is a PLU senior from Spokane, Washington, double majoring in communication and women and gender studies. He loves talking and writing about higher education, social justice, queer sexuality, critical theory, and pragmatism. After leaving PLU, he plans to begin graduate school in communication. When he finds a free moment, he likes to stay active on Twitter and host a good dinner party. That is true. So, Matthew, if you were tweeting about one of your dinner parties, what might you say? It probably wouldn't have a caption, and it would be four pictures over the course of the evening. And so it would start with a, like, beautiful display. And by the fourth picture, it's covered in candle wax and, like, somebody spilled red wine all over it. <laughs> Sounds like a good party. Yeah. All right. And Ala. Mm -hmm. Ala graduated from PLU last May and is currently working as an academic advisor at PLU. She's from University Place, Washington. And while a student at PLU, Ella majored in psychology with minors in French and sociology. One interesting tidbit from Ella is that it has been one year since she introduced herself using the correct pronunciation of her name. Yeah. <laughs> so we better ask, how do you correctly pronounce your name and what sparked this new or corrected way of saying your name? So the correct way to pronounce my name is Ella. And before that, I used to go by Ala. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know, several things have sparked it. One of them being that a lot of people would mistake that pronunciation with God and how you pronounce it, mm -hmm. Allah. And so I didn't want that to keep being a misconception. So I decided that I needed to just go by the real pronunciation. Great. Thank <laughs> you. All right. So let's dive in. Can you describe your spiritual or religious background and how you currently identify? Matthew, let's start with you. Oh, I get to start. Um, let's see. My spiritual and religious background. I grew up with two evangelical Christians who eventually became like mainline Protestant Christians. Um, and so I grew up at Christian Reformed churches and Presbyterian churches and went to an evangelical Christian elementary, middle, and high school. Which means Matthew knows his Bible. Wow. I know my Bible. I cried over many a memory verse I couldn't remember in class. That's how it goes. <laughs> Um, I would say I came to PLU feeling like I was going to be a rebellious, like post-Christian, you know, and be like, oh, like I'm in college now, like I'm really going to be secular or something. Who knows? Um, and but continue to sort of like experiment with different Christian traditions. And how do I identify with my religious orientation now, if you will? Um, somewhere between like Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian and like post-Christian if you will. Like, it's like a little, it's a little postmodern, it's a little new agey, but it's like, I enjoy the old hymns and the liturgy. 
So I, if I like go to a new place, I check out the like Lutheran and Methodist churches typically. All right. Thank you. Ala, how about you? Yeah. So I was born into a Muslim family um, in the Sunni sect. I grew up actually speaking Arabic. So I learned English as I started school. And um, while going to regular um, K through 12, I also attended Arabic school on the weekends where um, I would learn how to write and read and um, reading and trying to memorize from the Quran. But I was the worst memorizer. (laughs) Um, So I and especially now because it hasn't been something that I looked at in a while. So it's something that I should probably get back to. Um, So I would identify as a Muslim Sunni. All right. Thank you both. So when did you first encounter Lutherans or Lutheranism? And what were your first impressions? My aunt was a Lutheran, but I don't know what kind of Lutheran she was, but I just remember it being like very intense. A lot of hymns and a lot of uh, uh, lessons about church for anyone who didn't Mm. go and needed to hear about it. So that's my like first like early encounter to Lutherans. And then like re-encountering Lutherans was Pastor John, I think. John Rosenberg was the interim pastor before Jen. And it was a lot different than that. Refreshingly so or curiously yeah. so? Okay. So when I had, when I met John, I hadn't really gone to like a, a church like that, like a Lutheran church in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to go to it and be like, oh, wow, like I forgot about all these rich historical traditions that happened in the church and how when they're not done in a way that's about policing, if you will, like mm-hmm. following the rules because you need to follow them because your aunt will yell at you otherwise. Mm-hmm. But policing the rules just because someone's going to yell at you after versus doing it because you're connecting with sort of a broad spiritual and like historic tradition um, was a really like fulfilling thing. That's something Lutherans, I think, do well. And that was an interesting thing and refreshing thing to encounter. Great. So one of my high school friends was Lutheran, but I don't think I knew that until... I got to peel you. Sometimes Lutherans are very secretive about her identity. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, she was open about her mom being like involved with her church. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe she did say it once, but I never really understood all of the different sects in Christianity um, or denominations, I guess. Um, and so when I got to peel you, I remember thinking that, okay, it's going to be a Lutheran school. But to me, that, again, mm-hmm. didn't really... I wasn't really separating into the different denominations. I was just thinking it's going to be a Christian school. Mm-hmm. And so whenever people would talk about Martin Luther, all I could think of was like ninth grade world history when we talked about (laughs) the church and the thesis and uh, how he broke away and created his own thing. And so that was kind of my first look into Lutheranism. Did your faith play a role in your choosing to come to PLU? Um, so I actually didn't want to come to Peel yeah. <laughs> It was the not comes t- out. Uh-huh. I know. It was not my top choice. It was not even in my top three choices. Um, but it was uh, they gave me some good aid. And then when I came to visit for passport weekend, I ended up actually really liking it, even though I didn't want to. And it had nothing to do with the Christian base, but rather it was really close to home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I ended up really liking it. And I remember being slightly nervous but more because I had to take like two religion classes and one of them had to be a Christian religion class. So I didn't know how that was going to play out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I met Pastor John and he was great. I feel like I grew closer to my faith through going to PLU. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
How about you, Matthew? Did your faith play a role in your choosing PLU? I would I would say I had some hesitation because of it, mm. in in a sense. I also ended up like PLU was sort of like not on the on the radar, and then had really good scholarship, and then came and liked it. And uh, but to some degree, yeah, I felt after sort of this like kind of tumultuous uh, Christian experience growing up in Spokane, I was like, I don't want to be at like another mm. Christian institution. But then like on that first tour when they talk about Lutheran higher education. Um, and that kind of thing that was like sort of calmed the nerves. And in the end, it would, I've been glad I did because it is it is one thing that's been interesting about it is the sheer amount of people here who are like in a similar boat where they were like kind of. I don't really know if I wanted to go to a Christian school like I did Christianity my whole life. Um, and so being able to sort of navigate that with a bunch of other people who are sharing that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Lutheran higher education um, and one of the values of Lutheran higher education is that we talk a lot about vocation at PLU. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes. Um, So how has your faith shaped your vocation as a student? Maybe Mm. the major you chose or the classes you took? Oh, wow. That's a really great question. (laughs) Ponder that. Well, so when I first started, I um, was pre-med. And the reason that I was pre-med was because I wanted to help people. And vocation was a it's a huge thing at PLU and um, especially in the first year because they're trying to get you to get that into your own vocabulary mm. um, and I remember I would just go to different lectures and seminars and people would always talk about their vocation and how they figured out what they wanted to major in and how they got to where they were and throughout my first and a half year years at PLU I realized that what I was going towards medical school wasn't part of my vocation like I didn't feel what these people were portraying and sharing and and I felt like I was missing something and so but I knew that I still wanted to help people and I was in the hospital and not really liking how that was Um, Mm. but through other experiences provided by PLU I I was working at a school and I met with a school social worker there and really liked what she did and saw that that was also helping people and that there were so many other things that help people yeah so having wow. your options expanded about how you could live out your vocation was something that happened your first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And having patience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a big thing, I think, that mm-hmm. is something that I learned. And it's something that is really highlighted in, in my faith, like to have patience and to know that God knows what is best and like it'll all play out and you don't have to stress over the little things. Yeah. Learning to trust that. Yes. That patience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Matthew? Yeah. Hmm. I think one thing I'm, I'm trying not to avoid the question, but I might do it a little bit on accident. Um, but I think one of the, the cool things about it has been about vocation as a concept is that it's allowed me and the people I'm around to embrace the it's the your your great joy meets the world great sne- world's great need. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to really embrace that. I think that's that's sort of what you're talking about as well um, and saying oh, wow, like, this is the thing I love doing, and it's also something that, like, I'm fitting a role in the world that it's that's required. Um, and being able to, like, really search for that rather than doing what's been expected of us mm-hmm. coming in or what mm-hmm. expectations we set for ourselves that we don't want to abandon for whatever reason, whether mm-hmm. it's anxiety or greed or what have you. Um, and so to some extent for me, it's been this sort of connection with vocation and faith for me has been this sort of, like, 
freedom to like explore. And so the inquiry, like the critical inquiry has been a big part of that for me has been embracing that like part of my, not just like career life, but also spiritual life is Mm -hmm. finding um, exactly how I can do things that I love that also help others and and help me uh, make the world a better place, not to be too cliche. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So part of how we discover vocation um, and learn is in community. And that's another value uh, of Lutheran higher education is learning in community. So as you've been a student at PLU, how have you engaged spiritual or religious questions with your peer community? And how did those conversations go? Yeah, I had those a lot. So (laughs) Um, what? I know. Why? (laughs) So um, in my first year, I lived on campus Mm. and... I want to say like at least once a week, there would be a whole dinner conversation around my faith. Mm -hmm. And I loved it because I loved answering questions and like clearing up misconceptions and and perhaps that's part of your vocation. And (gasps) that is. Yes, exactly. Um, Now that I'm looking at grad school and looking at possibly getting an MDiv. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes, (laughs) I always welcome the questions. And actually, one of my friends, she actually. Uh, became Muslim mm. uh, and she she was studying I want to say history at the time and was Christian I don't think she was part of any denomination and so that was huge mm-hmm. um, and when she became Muslim I actually wasn't there with her she um, left PLU two years in um, and so it's been it was a year after she'd left that she accepted um that she so in islam we say reverted because we believe that everybody's born as muslim Mm -hmm. and then they go into their own faiths or non-faiths value um and so she reverted to islam a year after that um Mm. and i just remember being really taken aback (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and something that she said to me was that she really appreciated how I was really open with all of the questions and how I was always willing, to, like not judgmental, because mm-hmm. um, she had a lot of things that were going around on in her life. Um, and she felt like whenever she would listen to me speak or um, watch, she actually uh, participated in praying once. She saw me praying and asked mm-hmm. if she could join. <laughs> um, and she said that that was something that was really grounding for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in my senior year, the MSA was formed. So the Muslim Student Association. Um, And I, though I was busy with a bunch of other things, um, I helped in creating the club. Um, I was the student advisor. So whenever they had questions throughout the process of creating the club, I could answer them. And then the Interfaith Working Group, that's been awesome. We created a faith space on campus prayer space I should say yeah and it's been it's been great it's been so awesome Mm -hmm. um having that place to pray because after because when I lived on campus I would have a space to pray then I became a commuter for my last three years and I remember one year I went around a corner in some in a dorm in this hallway and somebody went to go into their room and she thought that something was wrong because I was it was when I was on the floor (laughs) and so (laughs) she was trying to see if I was okay which I appreciate um Mm -hmm. I and I think she was actually a nursing student. So she was probably <laughs> she like practice. in panic mode. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so I felt really bad because I think she realized like halfway through asking me. Well, she had asked me twice, I think. And I didn't answer because I was in prayer. 
Um, and so then she went into her room. And so I felt really bad and knocked on her door and was like, this is what was happening. Thank you <laughs> so much for checking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So having a space has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> Matthew, how about for you? What kind of spiritual or religious conversations have you had on campus? Yeah. Wow. They span like the the most intimate to like really academic, you know, so uh you and I, Pastor Jen and I, have hosted groups specifically to talk about, like, spirituality and sexuality. So since we're both gay people of faith, queer people of faith, I should say, we were hosting conversations about, like, how do your sexuality and spirituality work together? How does one inform the other one? Mm-hmm. What sort of, with a particular focus on, like, what sort of beauty and, like, positive things can you get out of the the intersection of these two experiences since so many of those conversations end up being, like, sad? Right. Um. And so those were really enriching conversations. And then some of, of course, the sort of like dorm experiences, like at dinner, talking about mm-hmm. gro- like growing up in the church and what sort of experiences you have. Mm-hmm. But then at the most like intimate level, and this is when it's been most meaningful, um, my mom passed away in June. And so I had a lot of friends who uh, like shared space with me, like as as a spiritual community, both mm-hmm. as sort of like an uplifting thing, but then also to have some of the hard conversations about like, is there an afterlife? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah. How do we connect with people who we've lost? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, spirituality has been a big part of how I interacted with my communities at PLU. Mm-hmm. Being a college student is stressful and anxiety producing and sometimes overwhelming. And then we have real life on top of that. Totally. Um, people in our family die or there's divorce or just lots of things happen over the course of your time as a college student. Can you think of a time as you've been a student when your faith has been a source of strength or comfort during these particularly anxious or hard times? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say more about that? Maybe how? How has your faith been a source of strength or comfort? Totally. I mean, I think for me, a big part of my faith has been like is going to church and that doesn't have to be for everyone. Um, but a big part of that for me is sort of the the like sort of contemplative part of going to church and how you can be grounded from that experience. Um, and so just there's been like a, I had a lot of sort of personal struggle just because of my mother dying, essentially, um, and having the practice of like going to university congregation every Sunday night mm-hmm. is slash was a very like grounding practice for me and like very helpful in. It's like, oh, I'm taking 17 credits and doing all these other things. And then also back in Spokane, this is happening. And so that was a place where it was like, okay, like we can practice these things that help me settle Mm -hmm. and reconnect and sort of step out of all of the like madness, if you will, of Mm -hmm. like everyday life and be able to be more in touch with like sort of the rhythm of life and and going with it. And grounded, it sounds like. Yeah. Finding peace in that groundedness. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And finding like in that peace, finding sort of the strength to -hmm. continue and to like return to that space when you need it. Yeah. Thank you. Ala, how about you? When you were sharing, all I could think of was Ramadan and how that's coming up and how that's always a month of groundness and Mm -hmm. time to try to dispel everything that is going on in the world and just focus on yourself and your faith and how important it is. And I feel like every year I'm always thankful whenever that month comes around. And I always Mm -hmm. wish that I could, because every year um, during that month, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to read the Quran every day. You're supposed to be on time with your prayers, which is something that I struggled with as a college student. <laughs> you're, you're fasting from dawn until dusk and 
um, it's a time for personal reflection and religious conversations. And so I'm always sad when it ends because then it's kind of like, okay, back to the real world, Mm -hmm. even though I haven't really left the real world during that month, but I'm more focused during that month. And Mm -hmm. so a goal every year is to try to bring some of what you've done that month into your everyday. Um, And so that's something that I try to do, tried to do as a college student, sometimes Mm -hmm. didn't succeed when life got in the way, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you Mm -hmm. both. So because we're Lutheran, we value critical engagement and asking these big enough questions, which you both have alluded to already. BEQs. BEQs, <laughs> yes. So here's a, here's a big enough question for you, okay. maybe two. Oh, man. Um, uh-huh. This one's, first one's easy. So what's something you love about your faith tradition? And what's something you might want to challenge about your faith tradition? Hmm. I like to start off on the bad note and then end on a good note. Oh, I see. So I'm going to, I, so when you ask with your faith tradition, do you mean like with the people in the faith tradition? Any way you interpret that. Okay. Um, so what comes to mind that is something that I want to challenge is, I guess, accountability. Um, at the Islamic Center of Tacoma, I feel like we could all be more accountable for engaging with others of different faiths so interfaith um, engagement I feel like women need to stand up more and speak Mm. out more and um, contribute more and I feel like that's slowly happening but I feel like it needs to happen faster Mm -hmm. and Um, you are a champion of that right Mm -hmm. um thank you I feel like champion's a huge word (laughs) but thanks um and I also feel like more activities need to be focused on kids and helping kids um, with leadership, um, getting them involved in leadership roles so that they can understand because they're they're the future of the faith. And um, I feel like that's something that we really struggle in, in this community specifically, because respecting elders is something that's really like culturally huge. And so elders are usually the leaders and they usually don't see children or youth as people who can lead yet. And so I feel like that puts us back because how will the youth and young people learn to lead if they're not given the opportunity? So that's something that I want to challenge. Mm -hmm. And what's something you love about your faith tradition? Oh, man. Um, I'm sure there's lots. lots but I know. I guess it would be the status that women are given in Islam. So um, it is said that heaven lies beneath the feet of the mother. Mm -hmm. and that if a father has daughters, that she's the key to heaven for him. And it's just that women are regarded with such respect and dignity that is not really portrayed in media. Right. Um, And it's something that I always like to speak about Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I'm a woman and I'm Muslim. (laughs) And yeah, and I feel like it needs to be spoken about and shared more. Thank you. Cool. Yes. Yeah. All right, Matthew. Wow. (laughs) What would you challenge about Christianity? Oh, Lord. Do we have an hour? (laughs) Um, uh, I think the number one thing I would challenge is the assumption that this, like, dual assumption of a lot of Christians that I think everyone does, even if you are sort of like a progressive New Agey Christian, that Christianity is somehow the status quo and also constantly being persecuted. So, like, there's the there's the like, oh, no, like the old Christian America we love is going to hell. Um, and then also the like, you're not a Christian, like you don't go to church or like two things you experience at the same time. So 
so sort of like embracing the like embracing spiritual diversity mm -hmm. uh and i think that's the biggest thing i would challenge in christians is this like single-mindedness that christianity can be the only legitimate and valid faith tradition mm -hmm. um and having little desire or patience or what have you to connect with people of other faiths and recognize what traditions they follow that may be beneficial for one's own spiritual journey that's something i think growing up with i saw a lot was like oh wow we can't do anything that people in different faiths would do because mm -hmm. even if it would be like an awesome grounding interesting like reflective experience for us we can't do it because it didn't come out of our tradition so being more aware of that i think is my challenge and then the thing i love is all the people in the tradition who are who are doing that like who are mm -hmm. leading the way and challenging it because uh you know i think oftentimes when we think about public christians we think about like james dobson and others <laughs> i was like i don't want to say any of these names um <laughs> we think about public christians being like really far right mm -hmm. um and saying terrible things and not really advocating for sort of the social justice i think that the bible actually compels us to act for um and so all the people who are are leading the way to more inclusive churches and working as Christians within their communities to like actually uplift the voices of those who are who are silenced and improve lives of others. Um, those are the people that I love in the tradition. Amen. Me too. <laughs> Thank you both. That was really interesting. Um, what would you say are some of the greatest benefits of living a life that includes a faith journey? Hmm. I feel like one of the biggest ones is knowing that you have a purpose. Hmm. Like, I, I can't even imagine how maybe some people don't know what their purpose is in life or why they're, why they exist or, or maybe don't even ask that question or, right. yeah, yeah, which I right. can't even imagine not thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that would be mm -hmm. something that I would find the most important. Yeah. 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 I would second that, that inquiry part is, is so big, like always inquiring about what me the meaning of something is and, mm -hmm. and how you can what your purpose is in the world but then on like a purely like instrumental level one of the best parts is being able to connect with other people like mm -hmm. we can often feel so alone um and scared in, a, in this world and so to be able to to seek out places where you can connect with other people who are also trying to sort out what it means to be human mm -hmm. um right now uh yeah. and be able to connect with them on such a deep level that's a really important part of why I continue to to seek out where I fit in faith traditions. Mm -hmm. As we wrap up, I have one final question for you. Can you share about a meaningful experience at PLU that has shaped your faith somehow? After the election and the inauguration of the current president, things were pretty tense, um, especially among the Islamic Center of Tacoma. People felt there's a lot of uncertainty and fear. And there was one day in January where, um, so our congregation, our Friday prayer um, is on Friday. It's like in the mid-afternoon. And so there was one day where everybody was praying. And when we all, I wasn't there, I was at school. Um, but when everybody came out to their cars, there were um, notes on every single windshield um, of love and hope oh. and kindness. And it was amazing. Wow. Um, uh, it was all over my friend's Snapchats mm -hmm. <laughs> and timelines. 
And me and a group of women decided that we needed to do something to thank the community for standing in solidarity with us. Mm -hmm. um, so we plan to have a community appreciation day at the Islamic Center of Tacoma. Mind you, this was during Capstone <laughs> and oh, wow. trying to figure out where I was going to grad school and trying to find a job in case the grad school thing didn't work. So a lot of things were happening, um, but I was still committed to participating. Um, I remember telling the person who was running it that I would do as much as I can, but school is like number one priority. Um, and she was pretty understanding. And she made the meetings late so that I could attend them. Mm. And I remember there was one meeting where we were trying to decide on who would speak. Uh, we invited the mayors and um, Representative Derek Kilmer was, yeah, he was awesome. Um, and um, I was like, well, we need, and then the, we were thinking of people from the Islamic Center of Tacoma to speak as well. And so they listed like a couple men and I was like, okay, well, we need some women. Yes. <laughs> And so then they suggested one person who I haven't met yet, someone in the military um, who had recently moved to Washington, who wasn't born Muslim, but found Islam, which I was like, OK, that'd be great. But we need a second one because otherwise that's a token. And so they were like listing women, but they already were committed to other things. And some of them wouldn't feel comfortable being on that type of a platform. And I was just really tired at this point. And so I just volunteered myself. Yes. <laughs> And the person who was running it kind of gave me a look like, really? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And because we mm -hmm. need somebody else. And I was like, I'll send you a draft so that you can approve it first if you're worried. Um, I never ended up doing that because I finished writing it the day of. <laughs> um, but um, Like a good college student. <laughs> like a good college student, yes. Um, and so um, the day came and I had invited a lot of different people, um, including um, faculty and staff and students at PLU to come and attend. Um, and a lot of people showed up and um, it was awesome from all of those groups, faculty, staff and students showed up from PLU, which was so great to see that kind of a support. Mm -hmm. um, and then I spoke and I spoke about being more involved in voting and um, how we need to take our civic duty seriously and how um, I was thankful for everybody for um, being there and showing their support. And and then, of course, I had to speak about women in Islam. And so I mm -hmm. spoke about that. And that was great. Um, and then I got a standing ovation, which is yes. crazy. <laughs> which you deserved. <laughs> Thank you. I also remember you talked a little bit about being at a Lutheran university as a Muslim I student. think I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I bought a sweatshirt that says Pacific Lutheran and doesn't have university on the bottom. So people from this area understand. But I went to a... Um, I went to a conference in Sacramento earlier that year and I wore it and I got some very strange looks. <laughs> <laughs> like they yeah. <laughs> so I did speak about that. I think that oh, was the awesome. story that I gave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um but it was great. It was a great event and it propelled me to look more into um policy. Um because when I was originally looking at social work, I was thinking of clinical social work and then doing that and the whole election thing and feeling empowered. I was like, I need to get into the system and fix the system. So yes. it was awesome. I'm raising my fist right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Power to Allah. That's All awesome. right. That's awesome. Oh, I have to go after that. I'm going to do this in reverse order. Hers is better. Um, I think I would say, I mean, like a big part of it, a big part of my just personal journey coming to PLU was coming out of the closet. 
And so being my, this is sort of like a weird connection, but I remember coming out to people and people just being like, cool. Like it was just no big deal. And so being and like to other Christians as well. And so I think that was such a big part of this was after after a, a pretty homophobic growing up experience coming here and coming out and having people just be like, word, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it was a big part of it. And then, of course, um, Pastor Jen coming and the like university and sort of like the Lutheran church further helping me understand how like okay it was to be like Christian and queer. Um, okay and, how, and awesome. Yes, okay and awesome. <laughs> um and how well they like can work together and and what's what's sort of afforded by that unique experience mm-hmm. um has been a, a very meaningful part of that a very meaningful spiritual experience. And with that going to decolonize Lutheranism, which was a conference uh we went to in what like November 2016. No. No, October, probably 2016. October, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, something else happened that month. That was also a really meaningful experience to see all of these, uh, like, Lutherans in this mainline Protestant denomination known for being the whitest or one of the whitest that were, like, queer or gender nonconforming and people of color and people who were, like, so open to how the tradition could be reimagined and like in a lot of ways like recentered around what's important about the tradition and that was that was super meaningful to me i reflect on that often about how how uh how meaningful it was to think about spirituality and especially christianity in such a rejuvenated way mm-hmm. but so when you say that about lutheranism that surprises me because my only experience of Lutheranism has been like PLU. And mm-hmm. so to me, Lutheranism is like the most liberal of the Christian <laughs> traditions. But like throughout the time that I've been there, I've gotten the sense that it's actually not that way. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to hear that from your past. So thank you. So some of the mean yeah, some of the meaningful experiences were also like with with some Lutherans who came from less progressive churches mm-hmm. who were like, you're the first gay person I've ever been friends with. And they're often pretty quiet journey to being like huh you know he's he's all right actually (laughs) um that was also a meaningful spiritual experience to see people who could like sit with that discomfort Mm -hmm. even if they didn't come from the like far left lutherans Mm -hmm. um that was really cool too you two are a delight. Thank you so much. It's, You're a this delight. It's been really enriching to have this conversation. I know you both already, but this has um, endeared me to you more. And I really, really thank you for sharing so vulnerably and courageously today. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. This has been another episode of Because We're Lutheran. Thanks for listening.